1: I mean, what's that football focus doing? Last week they had Brady, this week they got Brady. We're doing it, we're literally doing it differently from everybody else. Hey, as a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to P.M. Ready to get into it? Yeah, yeah. Alright, so, we're going team by team. I would be very careful about sling might Am I going to get sued? We got
0: legal on this? I yeah, like football, like football season, all the things that go with it. All right, welcome into the PFF NFL Podcast. No Steve here, Sam Monson taking over as host. So we brought in Mike Renner, straight from uh, sunny Florida, Mike.
1: I am. It's fantastic down here. I, uh, I don't miss Cincinnati one bit, the weather at least.
0: I don't know what you're talking about. It was 20 degrees the other morning when I was walking the dog, and then it got all the way up to 40. Like This is glorious springtime weather.
1: Balmy Cincinnati, or uh, sunny Cincinnati, as Austin Gale used to say.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, so today we're, we're going to continue our draft uh, talk post NFL free agency last week. We're going to start talking about some offensive tackles, big guys, uh, the trenches. Um, we're going to talk about, we build a perfect offensive tackle prospect like we've been doing at a bunch of other positions. We're going to talk about Peter Skoronsky and arm length because that's something that people get obsessed with around this kind of time. We're gonna talk about Dewan Jones and the, the giant offensive tackles that are kicking around the NFL, and maybe a little bit about uh, sort of one-dimensional type of players, pass blockers, run blockers, that kind of thing. But before we get into it, just enough time to tell people that the PFF NFL Podcast is sponsored by Western and Southern Financial Group. They're the people that provide this glorious studio. Can't see the plaque on the wall, but you can see the little Western and Southern mug down here. Um, while you focus on your roster moves, Western Southern helps advance your money moves. Buying your first home, planning to start a family, wondering how to make your money grow. Western Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day. Team up to understand needs and address goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started at westernsouthern.com forward slash PFF. That's westernsouthern.com forward slash PFF. All right, Mike, let's start off with... How good a group is this in terms of offensive tackles in the draft this year?
1: I was initially sour on this tackle class going. And I think it's because watching the top guys, I don't think I saw anyone in the kind of that special tier. Like going back a few years to the, you know, Penny Sewell, Rashawn Slater class the year before that uh, with Wirfs and Andrew Thomas. I don't think I'd put any of those guys in that tier. But there's a pretty big Uh, I'd probably tier it up into two different tiers in this offensive tackle class. But there's a pretty big second tier that is kind of like a fringe day one, more likely than not. Like if it was a super good tackle class, you'd like them more as like second rounders. But I do think that there's a pretty deep second tier to where there's a lot of options at least to develop in this offensive tackle class. So if you're in need of one, I suggest taking one in the top 50 picks, but there should be talent available for you in this class. It's not completely bereft.
0: Yeah, it seems like um, certainly when you're looking at the sort of top tackles, there is nobody that fits into that surefire guy you love category. But there should be a lot of starters from day one, or, uh, day one, day one starters, and day one starters taken on day one. Like guys are going to go yes. in first because you need starting offensive tackle. That's where they're going to go.
1: Yes, I 100% agree. So comparing it just to last year's class, where you had. Uh, the PFF board head Charles Cross, Iki Kwanu, Evan Neal as OT's 1, 2, 3. I- I'm not sure any of these guys cracked into that range for me in terms of how good I thought those guys were as prospects. The one guy I would could could put in that tier is Peter Goranski, but we're going to talk about him quite right. a little later in that he's a little different in, in his projection and just what he brings to the table. Uh, but then kind of I think the second tier of this year's tackle class is a lot bigger than last year's. Last year we went for them. To Bernard Raymond, Tyler Smith, Trevor Penning, that was kind of like it for the guys. Who felt good about as fringe or first rounders uh, in that realm. And then after that, it was guys where it's like, eh, back end of the second, late day two. Uh, I think this year there's like four guys I would put in that back end of the uh, back end of the first into the second round conversation.
0: All right, so let's start off doing this little exercise that we've done for a few other positions. We're going to build the perfect uh, offensive tackle prospect. We're going to start off with what that looks like from an NFL player perspective. And then you're gonna give us what that looks like from the guys in this draft class. So we break the position down into a bunch of different uh, traits or categories or whatever that we're looking at. Offensive tackle, you've come up with just the four categories this time. So we've got play strength, mirroring, you know, the ability to, to kind of stay opposite the, the defensive lineman trying to get past you, hand usage, and then the best on the move or out in space. So for the NFL, play strength has got to be Trent Williams. That dude is just an absolute freak show when it comes to being more powerful than the guy he's trying to block. Mirroring, I think it's we've got either David Bakhtiari, who has been probably the best guy at that over his NFL career, or Rayshon Slater. If we've decided that you know David Bakhtiari's knee is a a chronic problem that's probably going to take him out of that conversation going forward, hand usage. I think Lane Johnson at right tackle for the Eagles is, is exceptional with his punch and uh, how he uses his hands. And then best in the move right in space seems weird for a guy that's as freaking strong as he is, but Trent Williams on the move in space is an absolute nightmare. It's like getting hit by a Mack truck if you're a linebacker or a defensive back trying to stop him. So that, I think, is the NFL version of the perfect offensive tackle. What about the draft
1: class, Mike? Yeah, there's a reason why Trent Williams is a unicorn, right? Why, yeah, the highest grade ever. It's because you, you don't see guys with that combination too often, and I don't see one in this class also. But play strength-wise, this was probably the hotly, most hotly debated one, is play strength in this draft class, because there's a number of guys in this tackle class, I, I think, that are plus-plus play strength, that are high level in that regard, whether it's Broderick Jones from Georgia, whether it's Dewan Jones from Ohio State, and that is just, you know, you're not going through that guy. Um, <laughs> but the one who I think takes the cake is Darnell Wright from Tennessee. Now, obviously, he's a little older than the other guys. He's a fourth year, four years of starting at Tennessee. But you see him, and everyone brings up the game against Willie Anderson because you want to see a guy and how he fares against top competition. You see him in that game, and one of the few guys who could really sit down and drop anchor against Willie Anderson's bull rush. And that's... Uh, you know, that's something you need to see. That's something that separates kind of the man from the boys in the tackle position that uh, a lot of NFL evaluators, if you can't, if you don't have that ability to you, if you can't anchor against the bull rush, you legitimately just won't see the field in the NFL because they'll bull rush you every single time then. You know, the power, if you can't stand up to NFL power, you'll see it every single play, and you'll lose every single play because you have no recourse. So to me, Darnell Wright, you watch his tape, you watch his upper body strength, and it's just high-end NFL stuff. Uh, and so I think he takes the cake in that regard. All right. Mirroring. Mirroring. This one is Peter Skaronsky, right? He he is. This is why with his 32 and a quarter inch T-Rex arms (laughs) that he's still considered PFFs OT one in this draft class. I, I just think his ability to match and mirror speed is exactly what you want to block the Von Millers of the world. Uh, in the the NFL. And truthfully, from last year to this year, his play strength concerns shored up entirely, went from sophomore to junior. So I'm not worried about that either. He is strong and able to mirror NFL caliber edge rushes, which is why I still feel like even with those undersized arms, I think he's going to be a player in the NFL.
0: And you've got him as an option for hand usage as well. And those two things put together, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But those are the things you need if you're going to have those little stumpy T-Rex arms.
1: Yeah, he uses his hands probably as well or better than anyone. But they're 32 and a quarter inches. There's only so much you can do with them. That's why I think Dewan Jones also deserves some love for the hand usage because maybe he's not as consistent snap-to-snap as a Peter Skoronsky with them. But when they're 36 and 3-8 <laughs> inches and you're as strong as Dewan Jones is, all it takes is one well-placed mitt, and he stops edge rushers before they start. So he's fantastic at kind of getting that initial contact using that length i think we talked about the combine that like a lot of guys with arms you know 35 and a half inches or longer those really long obscenely long arms they just don't know how to use them and they're almost right. a detriment because they're late two punches a lot they're too long they just can't time it up with dewan jones it is the opposite he is technically very sound and that hand usage is why i still feel like even at his you know insane size with so mediocre movement skills by tackle standards I still think he's going to get the job done in the league.
0: well he's one of the few people who have has arms that length and they're still in proportion to the rest of them like all of him is that that size, helps whereas other yeah. guys that have freaky long arms they're they're out of proportion to the rest of their body like they're big people but they're not 36 inch arms big and maybe that's part of the reason why they lose control um what That's about,
1: actually a great point. I I like that take.
0: <laughs> what about uh, the best in the move or, or best on the move or out in space?
1: I'm kind of cheating with this one because again, this would be Peter Skaronsky's. Like he he is outside of the arm length. Like Skronsky can move, he can mirror, he can anchor. Like Skronsky is a damn good offensive line prospect, which is why you're seeing a lot of people just being like, yeah, he's gonna be a top 10 pick. Maybe he's maybe the NFL sees him as guard, but he's just gonna be a top 10 pick because he's in that kind of realm. Uh, of offensive line prospect. But the one I'm kind of cheating here because he's probably going to move to the interior, but he's so damn good out in space that he's got to give him some love. It's Cody Ma, the North Dakota State offensive tackle. And again, he he is not only you know has the arm length concerns, but he has the play strength concerns if you're sticking him at tackle. I, I do think wholesale he's going to be a guard or center in the NFL. But my lord, when you see him pull out to the edge, when you see him climb to the second level, he is a linebackers worst nightmare this guy with his ability to just track you down you know he's a former tight end gained 80 pounds to play offensive tackle over the course of his six years at North Coast State and he still moves like one so yeah Cody Mock that's a guy I want if I'm any sort of wide zone any sort of wide run scheme heavy that's really getting our guys out in space out in the move Cody Mock's going to be a terror. In that kind of scheme
0: all right so that's building our perfect offensive tackle prospect from this year's group that brings us on to peter skaronski this is who we've got to talk about now because he's your mm-hmm. offensive tackle number one and as we just heard i mean he's ticking most of the boxes we want from our perfect prospect in this draft he's you know really high up in terms of mirroring his hand usage moving in space as well he's got everything except the, the arms and the problem he's got is that the arms are really on the extreme end of small. You know, even guys who you can think of in, in the past who have sort of had that relatively short arm thing and succeeded, most of those guys have longer arms. You know, if you get it up, if, even if you just bump it to 33 inches, that brings in guys like Rashawn Slater or Jared Veldeer, like quality left tackles that have had success in the NFL. As soon as you get below 33 you start to run really low on names of successful guys really quickly. And he's 32 and a quarter.
1: So guys with 32 and a half inches that played snaps last year at tackle in the NFL, you have Jackson Carmen, the Cincinnati Bengals, and that was obviously at a backup role. Right. He started as guard. You have Patrick McCarry for the Ravens, mm-hmm. and you have Braden Smith for the Indianapolis Colts. That's it. That's the full list. Guys with 32 and a half. And, and Carmen, I believe, is for 32 and a half. Macari's were shorter. Braden Smith's the one guy where it's like, that's your hope, yeah. right? He has 32 and a quarter inch arms. The exact same as Peter Skaronski, And he's been great, right? Uh, this past, like, he's been probably a top five to ten right tackle. If you get Braden Smith's career, that's a first round pick every day, twice on Sundays. That's you're paying, you know, a Top 15 pick for a guy like Braden Smith and how productive he's been at tackle position. So, I think the fact that we've seen it, it makes you a little hopeful. Now, can he reach the ceiling that some of these other guys can't? Like, is is it going to limit him in ways? Like, it, will he still probably struggle with pure power rushers, longer guys, the Nick Boses of the world who really combat you with play strength and use that length, use that first Contact advantage? I think so. I, I don't foresee him ever turning into what Trent Williams looks like, right? Right. But I do think that the fact that we know there's a guy doing it at a high level with our own length, I wouldn't be too afraid of it. And then if it doesn't work out, I think you'll be an elite guard. So I, I do think that all those put together, the safeness of him compared to the rest of this class is why it's still go to bat for him as OT1.
0: That last point I think is really interesting because that – when I started to look at the arm length thing and, and sort of looking for comps and guys that have played well over a period of time, two names that jumped out to me when you extend the parameters a little bit are two guys who had 32 and a half inch arms for one of them and then 32 and seven seven eights for the other. Each of whom I think could have been pretty high quality offensive tackles, but each of whom got kicked inside the guard and became arguably the best player in the NFL at their position. Number one is Marshall Yanda. 32 and a half. And then the other one is Zach Martin, 32 and seven eights. Both of those guys have shown in their NFL career that they can play offensive tackle. Um, Yanda, I think could have been, could have been a pro Bowl, all pro right tackle. Zach Martin, maybe not that good, but he's shown he can go out and play right tackle and be fine. So those are two interesting names because both of those guys effectively got kicked inside a guard. Martin was never even a question and Yanda got moved inside relatively quickly. But I think each of them showed that they probably could have been fine at right tackle. And if that is the kind of career path for Skoronsky or the debate the teams are facing, I think that becomes an interesting discussion of, well, which is better? Like, and and Quentin Nelson is another guy that sort of muddies this as well. If you're going to be that good at guard, is it worth you starting off a tackle and seeing if you can be decent? Because we've always sort of taken the approach of, let the guy fail a tackle first because it's a more valuable position. But guys like Quentin Nelson have shown, and I suspect Yanda and, and Martin would show the same thing, that if you're going to be that freaking good at guard, you are more valuable than you know a reasonable right tackle. Like you, you would need to be a very good offensive tackle for it to still be worth keeping him out there and, and seeing if you can do that.
1: Yeah, I 100% agree with you there that they have to be – Legitimately, you know, below at like, legitimately a problem at tackle before I'm switching him to guard just because of the ease of which you can find one and not the other. You know, you can go find competency at guard. You just cannot find that uh, at tackle very easily. And I will say this, Marshall Yonda, if that's like what you're getting, he had an 85.5 overall grade at tackle in his career. Right. Like he was legitimately, like you said, a good tackle. And I think Zach Martin uh, wasn't to that degree, but was competent there so I uh, it's limiting yes but i think you are cutting yourself off from a super valuable super uh and in my opinion high floor player if you're just throwing peter Skoronsky out of the staff class because of his armor
0: yeah i mean yanda is the kind of jackpot scenario where obviously he was i mean he was arguably the best guard of his generation during his nfl career but also had enough time at tackle where he proved he could have been a very good right tackle if the Ravens wanted to play in there instead. Like if that was, I mean, that's probably the ceiling of what you can expect for anybody that's in this bucket of undersized arms or or concerning arm length. Um, This is also where we have to remind people that you're going to find places that say that Joe Thomas had 32-something-inch arms, but when Joe Thomas was on the podcast, he explained that that measurement was a mistake, and actually his arms Mm -hmm. are significantly longer than that and far more you know prototypical left tackle numbers so sadly what was the best data point to make this argument if you want to go to bat for a short arm guy for like a decade it turns out it's just bullshit
1: yeah hard to see a six seven guy having that short arms unless you're aiden hutchinson would have been cool would have been cool if you did
0: yeah unless you're aiden hutchinson where somehow his arms are that. yeah he has
1: <laughs> got a weird build incredible actually there were there's a few over the years who had really weird uh really oddly short arms at that size there's a guy in this year's class who uh gervon dexter got 32 and a quarter inch arms at (laughs) six (laughs) six
0: the uh uh, aiden hutchinson and and me have the same length arms and he's eight (laughs) inches taller than i am it's absurd that shouldn't be possible um what was i gonna say so for skaronsky um, we think he has the ability to play left tackle. There are plays on his tape where you do see the arm length thing show up, like guys get into his chest, just, and he just, he just flails. Like he just can't, you know what I mean? You can't reset yeah. once that happens. Once a guy gets one arm into your chest and he's longer than you are, you're basically a passenger at that point. And all the footwork, all the play strength, all the ability to mirror in the world means nothing because you have no leverage point.
1: Yeah, now, you saw that there's reps against like Lucas Van Ness where, that are like the concerning reps, right? Where it's like Lucas Van Ness, 6'5", 270, 34-inch arms. That's kind of prototypical. The you know That's what you'll see at the NFL That's you're worried about. And you saw them just Van Ness bowl him over right. a couple times uh, in their matchup. So that, yeah, th- again, it, you just may not get the super high end because there are legitimate weaknesses or legitimate ways you can attack a short-arm tackle. Uh, but I will say this years of starting at left tackle i think one of the biggest things in this tackle class especially at the top is inexperience you have paris johnson the ohio state tackle with one year starting at left tackle you have roderick jones from georgia one full year as a starter at left tackle those are kind of one two on a lot of people's boards and so if i'm looking and i'm you know a top 12 team i'm someone like you know, whether it's like the Raiders or someone like the Titans who's like, I need that help right now. You know, my offensive line stinks. I need someone to come in and be good. Uh, I think you're looking at his tackle class and you're saying Pierce Grosky can do that. Whereas these other guys, maybe the transition's a little steeper.
0: The other thing I'll say, and I, I don't know if this means anything beyond just, you know, circumstance, but when you turned on the combine, when you watched him move around and the, the, the Lycra crap that they had on, he just looks like a guard. Like he, if you, freeze-framed the picture of the dude and said, where does this guy play in the NFL? You would say offensive guard. You wouldn't say tackle. Like, he's got that kind of body type. So it's not just, I don't think, the short arm thing. If you are you just take a look at him, you go, that guy's definitely a guard at the next level. So I think there's a pretty high chance that a team drafts him and he ends up playing guard relatively quickly. Like, maybe they have an acute need to tackle, <clears> and that's where he plays in a pinch year one. But, like, he feels to me like he's going to be a long-term guard.
1: I hope not. I hope he gets a shot. I hope you get a shot, Peter.
0: So, from one end of the, the scale to the other, in terms of absolute freak size, we've got Dewan Jones, this monstrous offensive tackle from Ohio State. And, again, you go to the Combine, they had the, uh, the simulcasting. You know, they show Rich Eisen running against a bunch of people. By the way, Dewan Jones, one of the few people at the Combine that is still officially slower than I am. Uh, in jeans and sneakers so I've got that going for me now he outweighs me by 200 pounds so it's not all sunshine but I can still outrun him just so when they had the simulcast of him running against makai Becton who's 6'7 360 or something like that he made makai Becton look small that is not easy to do like he looked like a giant chasing down makai Becton on that simulcast thing now, Macai Beckton ran away from him, so there's there's that. But we are talking about one of the largest tackles we've seen coming to the draft
1: ever. Yes, I mean, so Daniel Falale last year was talked about as one of the biggest OTs you know NFL history. Right, but his was more weight; like he was thick throughout his frame. Dewan Jones is legitimately like built larger, even than Followay. Fal- like he has longer arms, broader shoulders. Like it just, that guy is enormous. Like he looks like he belongs on a basketball court. Not, you know, that's the type of build that plays center in the NBA, usually, and not offensive tackle in the NFL. So he is just absolutely enormous. And so when you're evaluating, you know, just him compared to Skaronsky, like they're playing a different game almost in what they're doing, how they're blocking, how they're pass protecting, just because his foot speed's never going to be Elite. You know, he's never going to move the way, you know, Skaronsky moves. It just, that's not going to be his game. But I think you see, you know, watching him and then watching guys like Trent Brown, uh, obviously 300, you know, 70 plus pounder, like even Orlando Brown, even though he's not, you know, nearly as big, but does have that massively long, large frame. That just, if you can play on balance, if you can play steady and use your hands at a high level, you could still be a very effective offensive tackle in the NFL, as we saw Orlando Brown just got paid. And, and I think Dewan Jones' tape compares very favorably, even, to Orlando Brown's coming out of Oklahoma and, and just the consistency you saw from him. Uh, and obviously, the traits are like even freakier in the arm length, in the hand size. Look at those 11 and 5-8 inches. Like he, just, he gets his mitts on you, and the block is over. So uh, I do think he may not be necessarily for everyone but if i'm a team that's really a uh you know if you have a mobile quarterback i I keep going back to this with him because you know you can't rush a mobile quarterback you can't get super far upfield you can't fire off the line you have to play contain still if you have to contain rush against dewan jones he's going to eat your lunch and so if you have a mobile quarterback he's going to give you massive pockets to step up into that i think this is a guy you're really going to want so if it's uh, I don't know where exactly that's going to fall in the draft. It's really going to be, he's definitely going to be kind of like an eye of the beholder type of draft pick where he's going to have a lot more value to one team than he may another team. So with those guys, it's somewhat difficult to project where they come off the board, but I do think if he lands in that kind of situation. He could be, he could have an Orlando Brown s career path. Man, truthfully, that, where Orlando Brown was like solid right away. And I think they could see that from Dewan Jones.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That that's an interesting point that I hadn't thought about before that if you have a quarterback that's a threat to rush and you you already face different types of pass rushes than more statue-like pocket passers, that guy's value goes up because he is going to absolutely stone those players on the edge and eradicate them from the play. Um, the Orlando Brown comp is an interesting one because obviously he just joined the, the Cincinnati Bengals, was a sort of surprise um, addition in free agency but you're right has been a good player not great but a good player at both right tackle and left tackle now is you know a huge offensive tackle is still significantly smaller than DeWan Jones but also is a guy that you know showed that you can you can succeed so if on the scale of Daniel Falele Orlando Brown maybe Dewan Jones you've got guys that were massive mammoth offensive tackles, didn't necessarily have particularly good movement skills. Obviously, Lele's were always a concern. Orlando Brown had one of the worst combine performances in NFL history. Um, And for him, it didn't matter. Like, he got the chance, played right tackle, was good, wanted to prove he could play left tackle, is still good, um, and showed that you don't necessarily need the movement skills if you have just enough... At everything you know else, if you've got just enough movement skills, if you've got just enough technique, just enough hand usage, you're so freaking big that you don't need to be elite for you to be a problem.
1: I I do think offensive tackle specifically, guard, center to a degree, but like the skill aspect of it is so massive. Now, obviously, like you need. Um, some like requisite physical traits. But to me, it's very much a skilled position. I go ask, go watch Mitchell Schwartz play offensive tackle and try to tell him anything otherwise. than that the way he blocked the way, you know, the high end tackles block is not just with overpowering physical ability. Now, some guys can the Trent Williams of the world can, but like you have to be crafty. You have to, again, know how to use your hands and know how to use leverage and know a lot of different skills that basically like kind of get thrown by the wayside a lot I think in the draft process, pre-draft process is that aspect of tackle play. Um, and so when I watch Dewan Jones, I'm like he has those things. Now does he have the high end uh, everything else that you necess- that like maybe uh, other guys have at the tackle position? No, but skill gives you a really high floor. Uh, at the tackle position in the NFL, especially when again you have the requisite tra- traits, otherwise, and and again, I don't think his movement skills are diabolically bad. Like a five-three-five right. forty-yard dash for a tackle, not good by any means, but that's not into the problem realm of this guy can't move. So when that's the case, you know, Mr. Schwartz ran a five-four-five. You ran slower than Dewan Jones did coming out at fifty pounds lighter. So uh, I-, I do think that Dewan Jones is going to be a-, a fun prospect to follow. Where he goes in the draft and then where he ends up and how he plays in the
0: league. I think the other thing is so there are very different, n- natural quote unquote body types playing offensive tackle in the NFL, right? There are guys that play offensive tackle at 315 pounds, but really would be walking around at 250 if they didn't have to weigh 315 pounds to play offensive tackle. So effectively, those guys are, you know, much quicker um, type bodies that are carrying around like 65 70 extra pounds just to play at their at the kind of you know inertia they need at the NFL level. Then you have guys like Dewan Jones or some of these other guys that are obviously just naturally huge human beings. And I think you sort of see the difference when these guys stopped playing, right? And then there's a group of offensive tackles that basically look the same 15 years later. And there's a group of offensive tackles that look like they never played offensive line in their lives, 50, like 10 minutes yeah. later because the, the weight just disappears. So, so I think there's probably a big difference between like how natural the movement is for a guy that's carrying around 70 extra pounds to a dude that just walks around at this weight and that's who he is. And there's a degree to which... You know, you might not have the, the foot speed, the sort of nimbleness of these smaller guys, but you aren't also sort of carrying around a bunch of extra weight that doesn't need to be there. Like, this is who you are. So you probably have sufficient movement skills for that size because you're not, like, out of proportion. This is just, like, you as an athlete, you know what I mean? And if, you're, yes. if you have, like, yeah. requisite, if you're just a good enough athlete, you're going to be a problem to get around because you're so big.
1: Yeah, my, my favorite is with Juan Jones is watching his high school basketball highlights <laughs> because that's where you see that it's just like, oh, this guy's just just a big fellow that can move. You know, like he's just kind of like that guy who probably like he could probably dance like he probably has all those other like requisite movement skills that just somehow he ended up 69 370 instead of, you know, six foot 200. But he's just that didn't really change. The, like, again, the proportionality didn't get so out of whack with him getting that big. That he uh you know lost some of that coordination
0: so another interesting data point for dewan jones was the senior bowl because he goes down there and you know is a guy that's going to have to answer these kind of questions of you know can you hold can you have the the level of movement skills are you technically sound enough to play at this level and then pretty much dominated at the senior bowl right missed some time had something was it a calf strain or something came up and had to stop practicing for a bit but when he was out there he was basically unstoppable
1: yeah, and then that was really, I don't want to say what sold me. I was kind of a fan of his game before, but that really showed me that he has, um, you know, answers. Like he's a student of the game who isn't just, you know, isn't just getting by on his size. He's actually crafty in how he approaches blocks, how he pass protects. So, uh yeah that that was a performance that was kind of a mic drop one day a practice where he he really couldn't have. you know i don't think he lost a rep that entire day that was really just oh he's going to advance other nflers and he looks the part still
0: uh is there anybody obviously you're you're dealing with a fairly small sample size of people that are that large but is there any comp that you had for him that actually makes sense
1: I, I just said Orlando Brown, just like stylistically, that's what he looks like. That's who he's going to play like. Now, obviously, he's a little bigger than him. But there really is, you know, when you're generational outlier of size, there's not going to be too many guys you can comp him to.
0: Right. Um, the Orlando Brown thing, though, I think is something that's definitely in his favor. Like, I think it's always good when there is a recent, relatively straight line comp for a guy that is succeeding at what you, were in, what you were trying to do. So that Orlando Brown has been good for a while and just got a big payday from the Bengals as his most obvious comp it has got to be a good thing for Dewan Jones coming into this draft and sort of showing that, you know, you can still play at a pretty high level being that freaky big.
1: Yeah, I, and I want to make it clear. I, I usually don't go for a slower-footed attack. Like, I, I think... The ability to change directions is a premier trait for the tackle position. That, that is like the starting point you need to have. So, I, I didn't, I, Daniel Fowle was outside the 150 of right. the FF draft board last year. Like the guys who are usually that big and aren't necessarily skilled, I'm not going to go to bat for. So, that's why for DeWan Jones to be 31st in the draft board, he, he has to have the goods elsewhere. So, I would just put that out there that this isn't usually the type of tackle that I think succeeds in the league
0: So the other thing I wanted to touch on today is um, we're in this world now where we appear to have more sort of one-dimensional offensive tackles playing in the NFL than any period that I can remember. On the one end of the scale, you've got guys like Juwan Taylor, who just got a big payday from the Kansas City Chiefs, $20 million a year, who's been a very good pass blocker but had some of the worst run-blocking grades of any offensive tackle in the NFL. And all the way the other end of the scale, you've got guys like uh, Caleb McGarry, who was an elite run-blocking tackle for the Falcons with short arms, by the way. Um, But, you know, meh as a pass blocker in his best year and much worse than meh in previous years. So how many of the guys in this draft are sort of wildly one-dimensional like that? And is there anything you think that's sort of explaining this uh, divergence or sort of broadening of the spectrum?
1: I don't think there are. Uh, the only guy I'd maybe say is Anton Harrison could be Juwan Taylor-esque, the Oklahoma tackle, in that he's he's exceptional in pass, bro. I, I think I really like him amongst the top tackles uh, in this draft class. It, you know, the, It's usually been kind of like a trio at the top. If you look at most boards, that is Skoransky, Paris Johnson, Broderick Jones. I, I think Anton Harrison, the Oklahoma tackle, deserves to be in that mix. And truthfully, I think Tennessee is Darnell Wright actually deserves to be in a conversation as well. But Harrison kind of gets left out in the cold, whereas I think this guy's a slam dunk first rounder um, for that ability and pass protection. Now, he's not as interested in the run game. You don't necessarily see the killer instinct. I I don't think that's a necessity by any means. But his ability to utilize his hands, the foot speed, the foot quicks, it it really is all there. So uh, I think he would qualify as one in this draft class. That I'm looking at that. Maybe never going to be a plus run blocker, but you're still taking them high regardless.
0: Yeah, I feel instinctively, with no evidence to back this up, that there are going to be very few teams that care that a guy is not particularly good as a run blocker. You know, the Juwan Taylors of the world. Yeah, Every NFL team, pretty much, is going to be buying into that because pass, pass blocking is more important than run blocking. That's the thing that can get your quarterback killed. That's the thing you want to focus on. And then there's going to be a couple of teams that run very specific offenses that are going to be more interested in guys like Caleb McGarry or Mike McGlinchy, you know, the bears, the Falcons, like teams that are going to be massively run heavy, that have a quarterback that they believe can escape the pressure if it gets there and really want to buy into having a dude that's just going to move people at the point of attack.
1: I think the one I would say that could be in that mold, because usually those guys are like the more athletic the explosive guys who can get on you quickly and then move you off the line. Usually it's in like wide zone schemes that they really tend to shine. It's those guys who are better maybe as run blockers than pass blockers. The guy I'd say in this one class is probably Blake Freeland from BYU. A freak athlete. I mean, 37-inch vertical. He had at the combine at like 6'8". Like he flies off the line of scrimmage. So his run blocking grade last year was like elite because in a wide zone scheme, he just can – wrench out of three technique with ease. And it is no problem for him, but then really has no, nothing behind him. Like he's just shade over 300 at 6'8", which is very skinny. If you're 6'8", you got to be like 315 plus be playing of the NFL because you're a stick otherwise. And so he's one guy who in pass protection, his play strength could get exposed, but in the run game could still be an effective blocker
0: yeah he had a wild combine not just the 37 inch vertical but you could see his movement skills anytime they were doing any kind of drills like yeah. the speed the ability to change direction he plays like a dude that barely weighs 300 pounds you know relative to these yeah. other monsters trying to move around like he he absolutely had that kind of uh just impressive performance across the board except the size except the weight
1: yeah and it it shows on tape, man. He was he got dogged at the Senior Bowl in the one on ones, just trying to hold up to any sort of power on contact. He just doesn't have it quite yet. But you know, if you're going to start off with one trait, right? You you want the explosiveness, you want the movement skills, the strength, the size, the right. weight. It can get better I mean, with it, an NFL weight room it's with a, it's you a... know NFL uh, enhancers, but <laughs> it's uh. <laughs> But 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 the movement skills are usually difficult to improve.
0: Well, it's a good point to make because it's almost kind of counterintuitive to how you would would think. Like the reason you would think you need the weight, like people think you want to weigh three hundred and fifteen, three hundred and twenty pounds because you need the size to move people. But actually, it's you need the size to anchor. Like you need the just the body to stop mass, moving people. right? You need the yeah. body mass just to be able to hunker down and Stuff stop being moving. driven backwards. Speed, like inertia momentum is going to move people because like you know freeland even this dude we're concerned by the fact that he only weighs 300 pounds if that dude starts moving in a hurry and 300 pounds hits something 300 pounds is shifting whatever the hell it hits like it's still a serious amount of weight but it isn't necessarily stopping the thing that's coming at him at a rapid rate you know that so it i think it actually works counter like the exact opposite of the way that you would imagine that thing works sort of from a dynamics point of view, and is the reason that, you know, Joe Thomas, arguably the greatest left tackle in NFL history, or one of them, had to turn himself into kind of a fat guy and play at 315 pounds. Like, Joe Thomas now is a shredded 250 or whatever, but had to carry around 60 pounds of extra weight because you need to be able to squat down and anchor against a dude that weighs 270 and trying to bull rush you.
1: 100%. I mean, that's that's also, like, why... Jason Kelsey can be one of the best run blockers in the NFL history, right? At the right. center position, despite being 275, 280s, because it's a leverage battle uh, more far more than a pure weight and, like, pure how-much-I-can-squat battle. It, it is, like, what – so run blocking is a different animal than the pure – than the anchoring ability, which has been, like, kind of his biggest weakness has been – Anchoring and pass protection, if there has been over for Kelsey over the course of his career,
0: right? If and when those guys are going to struggle, it's when they get isolated one on one with the dude that just outweighs them by a ton, and they simply cannot stop that momentum in a straight line backwards. Yeah. Whereas any run block in the world, you have the ability to at least angle it, you know. So you don't necessarily need to drive the guy directly backwards. You can move him on an angle. You can just get your body between him and the and the ball carrier. Like, it's not the same problem. Like, you, you, you're not um, disadvantaged the same way because you're outweighed by a massive amount against a big dude.
1: Yeah, how much was Evan Mathis back in the day? Because he was probably, like, the poster boy for just, like, he could move guys off the line of scrimmage, but was, like, 295, 300 pounds. Like, yeah. he was not a big guard by any means, but he was the best run-blocking guard that I've at least seen the past decade or so
0: he was listed at like 305 but I, I don't know if that was before he got like shredded and jacked you know like later in his career he had a six yeah. pack at that kind of size i'm guessing he wasn't 300 plus pounds at that point like he, he dropped some that was probably whatever he showed up at the combine to show people that he could play at this level and then just decided to get like <laughs> like jacked jack yeah. to his gills and just dominate people by being you know uh, an athlete yeah for all right mike i think we've uh covered the offensive tackles in the draft we'll be back for uh, another show tomorrow you won't be but i'll be back tomorrow for another show and then you're going to be back on friday Where we'll probably do uh, another position group and, and run through some more stuff sound good
1: hell yeah sounds Thanks good it,
0: michael thank you for showing up thank you all for listening and we'll be back tomorrow